Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Well, if everybody would like to turn to Genesis 32 as we continue. See, I explained, Sue and Tom, so you understand that um, what happens in this book parallels my life, you know, when I read about Abraham's wife dying, my wife dies, you know, and so I, you know, that's how God gives me the experience in order to teach, you know, and so we're going a little slow because at the end of this book, Joseph dies, and so, you know, if you think we're going slow now, (laughs) anyway, all right, let's pray. Father, thank you so much. We need this rain very badly. Without this rain, we'll die. Lord, we need your word very badly. Without your word in our hearts, we'll die. So, Lord, please teach us your word as we study it today in Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis 32, just looking at a few verses here, verse 24. Jacob was left alone. There wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. When he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. And he said, what is thy name? He said, Jacob. He said, thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel, for as a prince hast thou power with God, with men, and hast prevailed. So, as you know, we are in the most important chapter in Jacob's life, where this chapter is packed with drama. I mean, when you talk about God exerting himself, we say, okay, that's the cross, and it is. That's the passion. That's the cross. And there's no other place we see that. Of course, the passion of the Lord Jesus Christ and this chapter. This is a chapter where God is wrestling all night long. Go figure. This is, we have a chapter where God is on the cross suffering. Go figure. This is a very, very dramatic chapter here. Now, Jacob is in a sandwich of trouble. Behind him is Laban, his family who would have killed him. And if God had not stopped their hand, in front of him is his bloodthirsty brother Esau with 400 of his warriors. And he's stuck right in the middle. And all through Jacob's life, he's been smarter than the average bear. He thinks he is. He's outsmarted all of his opponents. But now Jacob has come to a point where he sees his end. And now he's come up with the best plan that he can come up with, which is really the scream plan. It's the scream plan. What do I mean by that? It means he's divided his family into half, and one half of his family is here, one half of his family there, and he says, okay, whichever half is getting slaughtered, scream, and then the other half will try to run away. <laughs> okay, well, that's great. You know? <laughs> so really, Jacob feels like he's on death row. He feels like he's on death row, and it's not going to be long before his executioner, Esau, shows up uh, to kill him. So he's in the greatest distress of his life, and he can't sleep. Who could? 
And so he sends everyone away. He's there left alone, and he's left alone with God, and God comes to him in the form of a man. It's just incredible. And then God, man, this man who is God, attacks Jacob. You know, he's thinking, I've got so much trouble here. Now I'm being attacked by this man, and he's struggling in verse 25. And and he's struggling, and the man sees Jacob is winning. Jacob is not being overcome by this man. So the man reaches down, simply touches, just touches Jacob's hip socket, and immediately his femur's out of joint. And this is where we are. And this, when his femur is out of joint, the thing to see about this is this is a great change that happens in Jacob. It's like a night and day experience. Something has changed in this wrestling. Several things have changed in this wrestling. The wrestling starts off in verse 24 where it says, Jacob was left alone and there wrestled a man with him. The man was the attacker. The man was the adversary. The man wrestled with Jacob. And all through the night... What happened was the man was not able to prevail in verse 25 when he saw that he prevailed not against him, against Jacob. So the man is holding Jacob and the man is not able to prevail against Jacob. And the man's holding Jacob and the man just can't get him down, I guess, you know. But that's until verse 26, the man's holding Jacob. But now it's not the man who is holding Jacob with Jacob trying to get away. Now it's Jacob holding the man and not letting him get away. So at the start, Jacob's trying to get away, but now Jacob, he can get away because the man says, okay, uh, I give up, you win. But now Jacob's holding the man. The man wants to get away. What happened? What happened? When Jacob had his femur put out of joint, out of socket there, Jacob became powerless. He became full of pain. His leg is out of joint. The wrestler is trying to get away from him, and now Jacob becomes the clinger, and he won't let the man get away. And so he's doing all he can to hold on tight to this man who is God. Jacob is the grabber, and now he's become the gripper, you know? And all of this has to do with what we're reading on here with holding on tight to God. And so Jacob, he's gripped with this purpose. He has this unyielding grasp all earnest, uh, just in uh, tremendous endurance, and he's not going to let the man go. See, the picture, sometimes I like to go down to La Jolla Shores there and take pictures of the, the Salk Pier. You know? And what's interesting about the Salk Pier is that you go down there and the, you know, these waves splashing. I like these, these pictures, the wave that's splashing. The waves splashing, you know, and then the, the sea you know, resides for the next wave to come. And you see on the post there these barnacles, little tiny barnacles, but they're in a tremendous bam, bam of these waves hitting them and splash and everything. But these little tiny barnacles, they hold on. They don't get knocked off. I mean, I don't think they get knocked off. I never see them get knocked off anyway. But they're just there. And how do they do that? Little tiny suction. They cling tight. That's Jacob. That's a picture of Jacob here in this fight. See, the man says, let me go. The day's breaking. He's saying, you know, you know the man's saying, this has gone on long enough. You, you win, you got the victory, he gives up. See, the way to see this part here is sometimes, you know, verse, verse numbers are not in the original. You know, Moses didn't write this and say, oh, you know, I need a verse number here or else the pastors of churches won't be able to tell their congregations where to turn to, you know. <laughs> he didn't do that. See, and the problem with the verse numbers is that they sub- can subconsciously make you pause when you're reading so sometimes the verse numbers, they kind of block us from seeing an important sequence. 
So when you, if we just kind of, in our minds, remove the verse numbers and see this important sequence, it reads like this. Jacob's thigh was out of joint, and he said, let me go, and he said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. So you see this sequence, you know, Jacob feels his thighs out of joint, he hears his opponent cry out, let me go. And that's when Jacob responds with this resounding, no, I won't let you go unless you bless me. So what's really going on here? The moment that Jacob feels his, his thighs out of joint, and his body goes into this shock mode, and, you know, in the quiver mode, and he can't wrestle anymore. All Jacob can do is cling. That's what he does. He clings, and he can't wrestle anymore. He clings, he, he clings, and that's important for us to see because there are really two distinct steps to coming to God. There's the knowledge of God, and that's one thing, and then there's putting your confidence in God. That's something else. His wrestling brought him to the point where he was powerless. Jacob was powerless, and all he could do now is hold on tight. So he grips with this unyielding grip there. Grip is the holding fast and the not letting go, and that's what we see here. So when the man says, let me go, we not only see that Jacob has changed from being a runner away, running, trying to run away to a clinger, you know, when the man says, let me go, that man, the, the man had changed from holding on to Jacob, so to speak, and, and then trying to get away. So the man saying to Jacob, you win. You win already. It's done. I concede the fight. You are the winner. And we can imagine Jacob saying to himself, I'm the winner? <laughs> Is that what it means to win? You know, to be in extreme pain with a thigh that's out of joint, reduced to a quivering mass of flesh? That's a winner? I'm the winner? The man says, let me go. The man concedes to Jacob. Jacob, you win. The man accepts defeat, and Jacob's trying to leave. And Jacob now becomes kind of an aggressor, and he's not willing for this contest to end. What's important to see here, the contest is not like a game of checkers that they're playing, you know? This is a fight. This is a fight. And in verse 26, Jacob says, the fight will not be over until I get what I want. I won't let you go until you bless me. And the question is, what was Jacob now fighting for? We understand in the beginning, Jacob's fighting to get away. But now he's fighting for a blessing, as he says. And then the question is, well, what kind of a blessing is Jacob looking for? What was he fighting for? Was he just looking for a, a general blessing from the man? Was he looking for the man to say, uh, bless you, my son? You know, <laughs> is that what he was looking for? No, there was a specific blessing that Jacob was fighting for. And our job, as we probe into this, is to discover what was that specific blessing that Jacob was fighting for. Now, some might say, well, you know, it's clear that Jacob just wanted the blessing that he would be delivered from Esau, you know, that just saved me from Esau. That was not the blessing that Jacob was looking for. The passage shows us it wasn't the blessing that Jacob wanted and would be satisfied with. And if we only see this wrestling match as just Jacob fighting for his life to be spared from Esau, we miss it. We miss it. We don't see what Jacob was really fighting for. You say, well, how do we really know that Jacob wasn't fighting for his life to be spared from Esau? Because when Jacob finally got the blessing that he wanted and stopped fighting, nothing was said about Esau. Nothing said about Esau not slaughtering Jacob. So there's a much deeper blessing that Jacob is fighting for. And this is what happened. Jacob's thigh gets put out of joint. Tremendous transition happens. Jacob enters this battle, as we said, trying to fight for one thing. Now he's, he's got his thigh out of joint. He's transitioned to fight for something else. 
So when the fight starts and the man apprehends Jacob and grabs him, then Jacob is saying, I will not be confined by this person. I will not be confined by another person. I'm not going to have another person hold me. I'm not going to have another person tell me what to do. Just like people today. They say in a marriage, I will not have my spouse telling me what to do. I'll free myself with a divorce from my spouse. And then I'll be free and I'll be independent, which is myself the answer to. And that's what people say about God. The same thing. I will not have God telling me what to do. I will free myself with a divorce from God, and then I'll be free and independent with just myself to answer to. That's Jacob. That's Jacob. This fight and this fighter represented to Jacob confinement. Jacob was fighting in the beginning for his freedom, for his independence from this man. Just like all of his life, Jacob has fought for his freedom and independence throughout his life, not to be under the thumb of either Esau or under Laban. You ever watched a fighter? It's interesting. You ever watched a fighter just before he enters the ring? It's kind of interesting. Because what you see in this fighter before he goes in the ring, the strong sense of self-confidence. You know, he's going to win. You can see it on his face before he enters the ring. And the trainer pumps him up before he enters the ring. You can beat him. Remember all the training that you've got. You know how to beat him. You have the strength to beat him. You're the champ. That's how Jacob entered this fight with that way. See, he enters this fight, Jacob enters this fight with this strong sense of self-will that Jacob's going to win. You know, he enters this fight with a strong self-determination. He's going to win. Now, Jacob enters this fight with a strong self-confidence. He's going to win. He's got a strong self-assurance. Jacob's going to win. And that's Jacob. Jacob is strong in Jacob. Jacob is confident in Jacob. But when Jacob had his thigh put out of joint, his self-will, Jacob's self-will was broken. His self-confidence was broken. His self-determination is broken. His self-assurance is broken. And then he hears the man say, let me go. Here's the man saying, I'm leaving. And Jacob says, no, I won't let you go. He's saying, you're leaving? You've just painfully put my thigh out of joint. You reduced me to a crippled mass of flesh here. And now you say you're leaving? You've just broken my self-will. You've broken my self-determination. You've broken my self-confidence. You've broken my assurance in myself. And I have nothing in myself now. And now you say, you're leaving? And Jacob dies out of joint. Jacob says, I won't let you go. He's saying, you can't leave. You have just broken me. You've just bankrupted me. Now I have nothing in myself. You can't leave. And so now we can see that Jacob really wanted well, we can see what he really wants when he says, I won't let you go unless you bless me. He's saying what Jacob's saying here. Now that you've destroyed me and you've destroyed everything I've relied on, Jacob's doing this. He points his finger and says, I want you. That's what he's saying. That's the blessing that Jacob wanted. He wanted the man to replace what Jacob lost in himself. You know, tonight, Jacob could say, tonight, I lost self-direction. I want you to direct me in my life from now on. Tonight, I lost self-confidence. I want to put my confidence in you from now on. Tonight, I lost self-assurance. I want you to be my assurance in my life from now on. I will not let you go unless you bless me. The blessing I'm talking about is for you to replace what I lost tonight. I lost my confidence, my direction, and I want you to replace that 
from now on. So what he's asking for, what Jacob is asking for in this blessing is Galatians 2.20. Jacob is, is in essence saying, my thighs out of joint, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I'm not dead. I'm still alive here. Nevertheless, I live. Yet I want it to be, not I, but Christ that lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. See, Jacob knew that this man was God. So I called this, I seen the face of God. And he's saying he wants this man to take over his life, live in him. He wants the man to be the new captain of his life, directing him. He knows he's bankrupt. So, you know, he knows he's bankrupt. He says, I, look, he says, you know, a little short on money. If you just give me a, a little loan, I'll get back on my feet again. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, I'm turning the business of my life over to you, to God. So what happened here is what has to happen to everyone and to anyone who's saved. They've got to turn the business of their life over to God. You know, and it's not like, you know, the salvation message is, is some kind of a, look, you can't pass this up. I mean, a person says, well, yeah, I could use some fire insurance so I don't go to hell. I mean, you know, why not, you know? So this is what's happening here with Jacob. This is what we see here in Genesis 32 is the way of the cross. What's the way of the cross? The way of the cross is where Jacob comes to the end of himself and the beginning of God. His thighs out of joint, and he says, you can't go unless you bless me. Jacob's bankrupt. He's tired of his life of independence from God. It's time for a change. So this is what happened to Jacob. This is what happens to any person who gets saved. The first step, end of self-confidence, end of self-dependence, now because the thigh's out of joint, and now it's got to be God. So the idea is that the man here is what he's saying here. He says, you know, let me go. He says, let me go. You know, the day's breaking, you know. Let me go. So the idea is that the man is saying, look, I got a lot of things to do, you know, and I want to leave. But the question really is, does he really want to leave? Not really. Notice the sequence and the statements. The man initiates the subject of him leaving by saying, let me go. This triggers in Jacob the response, I will not let thee go. The man really doesn't want to leave. But he says that in order to draw out of Jacob don't go. And that's not the first time that we see God in the Bible saying something that he really doesn't want to do, but he's trying to draw out a position in a person. See, this is the case with the Jewish people when God said, I want to destroy them. That's it. I want to wipe them off the earth because they made this golden calf. I want to destroy them. So God then told Moses, I want to destroy the Jewish people. So that he would, he'd said that because he wanted to get Moses to step up to the plate and plead for the Jewish people. That's what we see in Exodus 32. Exodus 32, verses 9 through 14, it says, And the Lord said unto Moses, I've seen this people. There, behold, this is stiff-necked people. Now, therefore, let me alone that my wrath may wax hot against them, that I may consume them, and I'll make of thee a great nation." And Moses besought the Lord his God and said, Lord, why doth thy wrath wax hot against thy people, which thou hast brought forth out of the land of Egypt with a great power, with a mighty hand? Wherefore should the Egyptians speak and say, for mischief did he bring them out, to slay them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from thy fierce wrath, 
Repent of this evil against thy people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, or Israel, thy servants to whom thou swearest by thine own self and saidest to them, I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven and all this land that I have spoken of will I give unto your seed and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord repented. That's something. The Lord repented? I thought sinners repent. But it says the Lord repented of the evil which he thought to do unto his people. God did not really want to destroy the Jewish people, but he wanted Moses to stand up in the gap between an angry God and a rebellious people and plead for the rebellious people, the rebellious Jewish people. David got it when he understood this, and he said in Psalm 106, verse 23, speaking of this part, this time here, therefore said he that he would destroy them had not Moses, his chosen, stood before him in the breach to turn away his wrath, lest he should destroy them. See, that shows the heart of God. How He looks for a person to stand in the middle, stand between him and the people so that they don't get destroyed. You know, he talked about this in Ezekiel 22.30. God talked about it in Ezekiel 22.30 when he said, and I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge. You know, think about a hedge, and there's a hole in the hedge. You know, a hedge is supposed to keep bad things out. And God says, I look for a man to stand up there in the hedge, stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it. And then the tragic words are, but I found none. That's bad. Now, when we read those, so therefore we read of God saying to Jacob, let me go. I mean, again, you know, there's several angles we can look at this, but one of them is like, God is asking Jacob for permission to go. That's pretty astounding. <laughs> it's like, you know, couldn't God get clear of Jacob's grip? You know, of course God could. But so then why did God ask Jacob to let him go? He did that to put an honor on Jacob's faith. God does that. He puts an honor on people's faith. When the Lord Jesus Christ he was going about, he was constantly crowning people, so to speak, with, I crown you, the honor of your faith. He said that. A woman with an issue of blood who believes that all she has to do is touch the hem of his garment to be healed, he turns her about, in Matthew 9, 22, Jesus turned him about, and when he saw her, he said unto her, daughter, be of good comfort, thy faith hath made thee whole. And the woman was made whole from that hour. He crowned her honor on her faith. A blind man comes. A blind man comes to the Lord Jesus. He believes that the Lord can heal him. And the Lord does the same thing. Crowns, he gives honor to his faith. He says, Mark 10, 52, Mark 10, 52. Jesus said unto him, go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. Another person, a leper. A leper believes that the Lord Jesus Christ can heal him. And he, he honors his faith by saying in Luke 17, 9, Luke 17, 19, Luke 17, 19, he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. So with Jacob, same thing. The Lord wants to draw out of Jacob that Jacob believed that this man could bless him because the Lord wanted to honor Jacob's faith.
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org, or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E. Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Sunday Night Church is back. Starting September 25th, join Friendship with God Bible teacher Tom Cantor at the new Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Join us early each Sunday at 4.30 p.m. for food and fellowship with Sunday evening services to follow at 5.30 p.m. On opening day, September 25th, we'll have Phil's Barbecue with special guest musician Jim Earp. Enjoy encouraging teaching from our Bible teacher Tom Cantor in a relaxed and family-friendly atmosphere. Sunday Night Church is back, so join us at the Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum at 10946 Woodside Avenue North in Santee, California. For more information, call us at 800-247-3051, 1-800-247-3051, or visit friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org for the Friendship with God Fellowship. <laughs> 